This country is suffering immensely. Even with its great potential to come back at being the leader of the world in many aspects, it's currently suffering from an ulcer-like state that impedes its progression of society. This suffering is present amongst many American people, but are, are either too busy or too disillusioned to recognize and accept it. This parasite eats people from the inside, makes them think irrationally, and encourages them to grasp onto negative thoughts. This parasite is called sadness. Depression, discontentment, misery, sorrow, whatever you may want to call it, the state of not being happy. The United States ranks the 14th happiest country in the world, but has been steady, steadily decreasing every year as countries like Denmark, Iceland, and Switzerland stay on top. How? The United States has many of the biggest celebrities in the world, the best rated television shows, the best athletes, many things and people other countries don't. So why is it that other countries that people don't really talk about or know that much about are beating us in the index of happiness? We can get into the politics and economics of it. They may have better healthcare systems, better public education, less income inequality, better fluidity in their justice systems, less corruption and more transparency for their elected officials. But putting that all aside, a big reason why it's so hard to find happiness in this country is because of the things Americans put first. The abstracts and people we place on a pedestal rather than making it, making it a priority to work on ourselves, to shape our best selves and focus on the things we think are most value to, valuable to us. We let products, television, and many other things modify what we think counts more in our lives rather than living in the moment. It's easier said than done. Live in the moment, seize the day. Those are things we always say but find it difficult to actually do. Many times we actually know how to live a more fulfilling life, but either can't find the energy or the, or the meaning in it to actually do it. I didn't have a rough childhood. I have both my parents' support for anything I'd like to do for my career, which is to either be a salesperson or a writer, or both, and to attend university again after I finished community college to learn about anything I'd like to. They back me up on it. <coughs> I have a roof over my head, fortunate enough to eat food every day. I'm grateful for, the, for my family and the things I have in my life. But this parasite took over my mind and body at the age of 16. I started to build habits and have a completely different yet negative outlook on life. Although, although I'd be prescribed pills for anxiety and depression my last years in high school and saw psychiatrists a few times per month. Although I was great at analyzing situations, it would have me feeling down because I would still overthink different situations in my life where I made big mistakes I regret and caused tremendous fear over my future and relationships with others. I look at many of the horrible things that happen in the world and have a yearning to do something to fix them while I forget about the things that are happening in my life right now. I tend to many times conclude that blissfulness through ignorance is a far better choice than being aware and worried. I often set incredibly high standards for myself, and whenever I fail to do something I wanted to do, I fall in the pit of disappointment. I'm very self-critical about my weight because of the bullying I went through as a child, and very self-critical of my intellect because of how much I had to learn about current events, legislation, and economics. If I fall behind about, on learning on, about any of those things, I start to put myself down and tell myself how I'll never make any positive difference and consider changing my major, which is what I'm, 
which is what I'm most passionate about, to something that I may not enjoy learning about, but would have, but would have it easier on myself. I'm also overly ambitious. This is a gift and a curse. My analytical mind gives me the ability to always seek something bigger and better, but prevents me from enjoying the mundane things in, everything, in everyday life. I think about things that are stimulating and incredibly idealistic that cannot be found anywhere right now. This makes it hard for me to accept the present moment as I end up feeling like everything could be better in the world when it's not. Many of the vibrant colors and enthusiasm in my eyes have been grayed out. My first two years in public university, I was pretty good at meeting new people and getting along with almost everyone I encountered. I joined clubs, reading groups, played sports, and had my own circle of friends who I would meet up with every single day. There is one moment, though, that I had with some of those friends that stuck with me ever since. We all met up and talked and shared experiences, and I realized that I would know many things about them, but they wouldn't know much about me. I knew about their deep interests, their opinions on many different issues, who their families were, their core values, but one of them told me she knew absolutely nothing about me. Sure, they knew that I wanted to major in political science and wrote political art articles on the side, that my favorite sport was soccer, that I had a sales job selling car insurance, where I was from, just really basic surface level stuff. They knew a lot about me, but they didn't know who I was. After having that realization, I recognized that I was really good at doing one thing, and that was hiding my emotions. I'm really good at it. That same person who told me she knew nothing about me called me mysterious that same night, and everyone else kind of agreed. They all trust me to this day and support me, but it was like they didn't know whether I felt the same way about them. I was called mysterious, and I didn't think much of it at first. After hanging out with them, I walked home alone, but the farther I got from their place and the closer I got to mine, I felt more and more lonely. How can I feel lonely when I know I have many people in my life whom I care about? Maybe a week later, I spent, a week later, I spent the night in the library at school. I was studying a lot for the exams I was going to have throughout the week, and I was sitting in an area where you had to be completely silent in order for everyone around you studying could focus as much as they could. I was really tired and started to put all my things in my backpack to leave until someone sat down a few seats away with a large book containing the words Greek philosophy in the title. I was never into philosophy growing up. In high school, they'd have us read Greek literature, and I always thought it was kind of boring. Too much reading, just too much of everything. So I associated that boredom with Greek philosophy and got my stuff and left. On my way out, I was thinking, why would someone read that kind of stuff in their free time? Why is it such a big deal? So out of curiosity and with the goal in the end to say to myself, see, it's boring. I went back in the library and got, one, got on one of the desktops and Googled Greek philosophy. Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle were the first ones on the results page. I look back at that day, and if I wouldn't have, and if I wouldn't have turned around to do more research, I honestly don't know how my mental state would be right now. I would spend nights just reading different works, understanding the different, many, the different ways many of these philosophers tried to crack life, how they tried to look for meaning and purpose. One night, I came across a philosopher who I didn't know, who I didn't know anything about. Books and videos about him said that only about 300 of his written texts, short texts, 
exist, while it's believed that he may have written way more. His name was Epicurus. Epicurus was a simple man. He owned only two cloaks and his diet consistent, consisted mainly of olives, bread, and for a nice treat, a slice of cheese. What Epicurus was concerned about was how people could live happily. When I read that part, I instantly wanted to know more about him. Happiness? There's a philosophy based only on happiness and I haven't even come across it yet? I thought. Epicurus, after studying for many years, set up a school of his own where anyone could go learn whatever they were or whether they were any gender, status, enslaved, whatever. He encouraged everyone to try out his new formula for happiness. It's pretty long, but I'll share what helped me out the most. Many times we feel like we need the newest things out there. Shoe, shoes, jewelry, cars. I'll share a quote from one of my favorite Houston-based rappers. Don't spend, your, don't spend your life trying to chase a million. Take some time to go hug your children. Cars and jewelry won't hug you back. I had to learn that with an ugly feeling. Epicurus observed how obsessed people are with luxury and, and, and things. He concluded that people look for happiness in other things rather than in themselves. In general, human wants, humans want their minds pure and filled with positivity. But that parasite, that parasite keeps pushing, pushing that away from us. He and those in his school said that people need to spend time on their own to read, reflect, write, meditate, keeping busy. How can you find happiness in other things when you haven't even found any in yourself yet? As another one of my favorite rappers, Graydon Square says, we grow too old soon and too late wise. In order to get the most out of life, we have to be happy with ourselves, love ourselves and genuinely want to do things for the better. We cannot worry and fear tomorrow because we don't know what's going to happen and the past does not exist anymore, only its outcomes. So all we can associate our energy and time is now. Right now is the most important time of your life, like Mr. Vinny says in his chapel talks. That which helped me out the most was one other thing. That which helped me out the most was one thing that was the immense importance Epicurus put in his formula and arguably what he wanted to express in his works the most. It's friendship. He enjoyed how good friends were so unpossessive of each other and understanding, but that it was important to see and spend time with your friends much more often than you do now. That they're there for you when you need them and correct you on your mistakes. So this is what he did. He bought a big house and invited all of his friends to live with him. Everyone had their own rooms and spaces, but there were also many shared areas. Everywhere he would walk, whether it be the kitchen or the, or the living room, there was always someone pleasant to talk to. It's important to let go with friends, trust them. We remain so much in our heads that we find it intimidating to share what we think, but friends are there for you. They can be what hold you up in your hardest times and enhance your life significantly. Where else do we wake up every day to see our friends and other people who care about us? When I thought of that, I started to laugh. I laughed because the key ingredient to my happiness and well-being was already within almost every summer of my life since I was 12. Epicurean philosophy didn't teach me anything new. 
Rather, it reminded me of a place I hold very, I hold very dearly to my heart. That's why I couldn't stop reading and researching about it, because it was so familiar. Epicurean philosophy consists of being humble, not focusing on socioeconomic status, rather on the individuality of a person, treating people how they want to be treated, or the golden rule, service, kindness, carpe diem, all of that is rooted here at camp. So why did I just stand, stand up here and talk to you about a philosophy that you guys are already familiar with? Because it's a reassurance. This kind of thinking has been alive hundreds of years BC. Think about this. Epicurean schools and communities were constructed all around the Mediterranean from Spain to Palestine. More than 400,000 people had the pleasure of directly learning this philosophy themselves. Here, you're only one out of a hundred in an area around a New Hampshire lake. These values have been tested and practiced for so long that it only makes me have more faith in this place. Camp Pasquani doesn't change. We may get new activity shirts, an extension of Mem Hall, many other abstract things, but the values remain the same. Trust this place. Trust the process. These last two weeks, it's your chance to truly test Epicurean philosophy yourself, to test Camp's philosophy yourself, to understand that we find peace within ourselves and that a faithful friend is the medicine of life. Thank you.